everybody, this is Justin and Tim. Welcome to The Quiet Reformation. On today's episode, we're going to take a couple minutes to talk about the difference between spiritual formation and self-improvement. The Quiet Reformation is a space of listening for God through the Bible and the body of Christ, desiring change in the church but without the chaos. This podcast is a small part of the ministry of Netzer. Netzer works intimately with Christian leaders and speaks widely to the church at large about spiritual renewal. We are a donor-supported 501c3 ministry. Please visit netzer.org to donate and find out more. Hey, Tim, what's up? Justin, how are you? Doing all right. How's your beginning of your new year going? We're, we're a good uh, month and a half in now. Pretty good. Yeah. I, uh, we only have one kid left in the house right now. So, you know, things are different. And my uh, son, who's a senior, is working on his senior thesis, which is like the big project at the end of the you know, high school career. And it's actually on happiness in the life of a Christian, which is related to our topic. That's crazy. Was that assigned to him or did he pick that from? No, he picked it. His thesis is that being a Christian does not make you happy. Happiness is definitely, sometimes I feel like when we as Christians try to delineate so much between happiness and joy, it kind of drives me crazy if I'm being honest. And I also understand that there are different aspects, motivations, trajectories of both those things. But sometimes I also just get tired of like, Oh, do you mean, oh, are you happy or are you joyful? Are you joyful or are you happy? Yeah. And he does go into that. Part of the reason that he has the kind of negative thesis statement is he's clarifying terms. One of those is clarifying what does being a Christian mean in society versus what does it mean to be a devoted follower of Jesus? Like is, the, is being a Christian as, as defined in the dictionary actually have any real effect on you? Right. So like, you know, you subscribe to the Christian faith, you know, that's your religion. What kind of effect does that actually have? What he talks about in terms of happiness is he talks about the posture of joy versus gestures of happiness, this sort of thing. And so he uses that as a framework to talk about how building posture takes a long period of time uh, to build good posture. Mm. And it's, it does, you don't easily lose it, okay. but gestures happen really quick based on what's coming at you. Essentially saying that happiness, the way we define it in culture, typically fits in the gesture category more than in the posture category. But but joy is a word that typically is a little bit of a longer term, more sustained yeah. disposition. In other words, like the fruit of the spirit makes sense as sort of a posture, but then you're also going to experience things that are going to make you really unhappy in the midst of it. Sounds like a smart kid thinking deep about stuff. Don't tell him that. (laughs) (laughs) Throughout this next year, there's going to be some clips from either podcasts or videos or or something that we've heard over the the past couple of weeks or months that kind of stuck out to us. And then we're going to play back a short clip from that media and then just talk about it a little bit. And today's clip, uh, the two main speakers on it are Mike Erie and John Mark Comer. This is from the Voxology podcast, and uh, you can listen to the full episode in the show notes. There'll be a link there. 
But the reason I picked this one, Tim, was because Brandon Hanks, who is uh, operations and ministry director at Netzer, is that his, is that his title? Operations and something. Director of operations. Director of operations at Netzer. You know, we're friends. And <laughs> I asked him, I asked him, I don't know, this was probably three months ago. I specifically asked him like, Brandon, what, what do you think is the difference between spiritual formation and self-improvement? Like is spiritual formation just the baptized version of self-improvement stuff? And again, it's like one of those things, joy and happiness. Mm, yeah. Like I know they're different, but then like, are, are they really different? Or is this just some kind of Christian branding on something that, that is really just kind of part of the world, but has different clothing on it? Um, and so we talked about that a little bit, but then I listened to this podcast that we're going to hear a clip from and John Mark Comer uh, directly answers this question because Mike Erie had the exact same question. I was just like, yes. How does all of that differ from the self-improvement stuff I see all over Instagram? I, I cannot, I am, I, my algorithms are swimming in people who have advice for me about how to, mm -hmm. be, how to be a better hustler, how to be a better husband, how to you know maximize my time and have three days into one day and just weird, all this weird stuff. How does, how does spiritual formation differ from that? Well, first thing I would say is where it agrees with that. A very wise man once used to say to me, all truth is God's truth. A very wise man <laughs> once said to me, "Wisdom is wisdom is wisdom." Ooh. Whether wh what's the what's the Willard line like? Just because I'm I'm not going to not eat breakfast just because Hindus eat breakfast, <laughs> you know, <laughs> doesn't make it a bad idea. Totally. Um, first off, I would agree with a lot of it, and then yeah. secondly, I would say there are two radical differences. Good between discipleship to Jesus or spiritual formation and the self actualization life hack you yeah. know, project yep. self yes. kind of. Yes, yes, And yes. I think it's so good that you pointed that out. And I tried to write this in the book because I mm -hmm. keep seeing formation devolve into yeah, exactly. this hyper-individualistic, yes. post-Bible, post-Christian, progressive self-healthy, therapeutic That's thing. That's it. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This, it's, there's a weird, it's, and it's confusing at first because there's aspects mm -hmm. that are in real alignment with discipleship and other aspects that are like, wait, what? Um, so the two radical differences are this. One is the overall uh, kind of mental model or worldview. Mm. Um, for example, in, in the kingdom of God, the highest value is not happiness. Mm. And it is not self-fulfillment. You know, mm. I read uh, Arthur Brooks. Yes. Extraordinary new book out right now. And I read it a couple of weeks ago and just savored every page. And he's a, you know, he's a Harvard mm -hmm. social scientist who studies happiness. So he's famous around the world for like the happiness expert. And he has this beautiful paragraph where he writes about if you live a good life, it will require regular seasons of unhappiness. Oh my goodness. And if you are not regularly unhappy, then you are not living a good and meaningful life. Oh my and, goodness. <laughs> so, um, I love that. So when, when happiness becomes the highest value, mm -hmm. and then when happiness is co-opted and confused with pleasure and dopamine. Uh, that's it, that's it then you have a radically different moral kind of metric system. You know, it's the classic, yeah. um, why are you getting divorced? Like we know what the teachings of Jesus are. Well, God would want me to be happy. Mm -hmm. That's a mm -hmm. perfect example that's wildly common mm -hmm. of where formation gets co-opted by worldly assumptions. Mm -hmm. The other radical difference would be, um, I think what Paul and the New Testament writers call grace. 
the difference between you know the discipline the spiritual disciplines or the practices and just habit stacking is that Good. we're not just exercising our habit muscle to hack our central nervous system <laughs> the the difference with the practice is you're not just exercising your willpower muscle but you're opening this deep inner wounded confused part of yourself mm-hmm. to the power of the holy spirit mm-hmm. and giving him room and space to do in you what you could never do through your, for yourself through habit stacking could not even do through therapy could not do through reading books or you know doing psychedelics bro i live in la it's every third person yeah. who has money yeah. is out doing that as their their mode of formation so after hearing just that little clip that they were kind of contrasting and comparing spiritual formation and self-help. What, what kind of things stood out to you, Tim? One of the things that I loved was right at the beginning of the clip when they were talking about all truth being God's truth and Dallas Willard saying, you know, I'm not going to not eat breakfast just because a Hindu eats breakfast. And that, that whole idea of understanding that God is not just the God over the Christian faith. He's not just God over the church that he's got over the cosmos, he's God of all time. And so all truth is God's truth is one of those little thoughts that really changes so much of how we view the world and how we operate in it. And I think that's a, that's a, uh, an extremely important point for us to be holding on to in all of the different parts of our life right now and how we interface with our culture. So that hits me when it comes to the idea of spiritual formation and self-help that we understand we're not trying to delineate for the purpose of judging a cultural practice that isn't Christian or that isn't just God dependent. We're in search of truth. And there's some truth that can only be discovered when you're in a place of faith, but there's plenty of truth that can also be discovered when you're not in a place of faith. It might be a distorted truth in some way, but you can still experience some truth. How do you discern through that though? Like, I appreciate that that is something that has been built into me over the years, that idea that all truth is God's truth. And and yet there can be something that could easily lend itself to taking in everything without discerning things, almost making it too much of a blanket statement. So we want to like put judgment to the side a little bit, or at least condemnation. But like, what is the discernment or the proper judgment in that when thinking about common grace, stuff like that? Yeah, I appreciate you bringing up common, common grace as a part of the conversation there, because that's it, right? We understand that some truth really doesn't change, even if you're not walking in a place of faith, you know, and you're understanding the the physiology of our bodies and how they work, that that's truth designed by God. But whether you're acknowledging that God's the designer of it or not, you can learn a lot about the body, right? But uh, there is something to be said about syncretism. Can you define that for our listeners, just in case they're not familiar with that term? Okay, so in a religious sense, that would be when we take belief systems from different faiths and integrate them into a common faith. And so religious syncretism in the Old Testament would be when the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, uh, were taking the practices of their surrounding nations and were integrating them in with their worship in ways that God didn't ordain. And we can do that pretty easily, even with certain practices in our life where, so in the self-help thing, it's great if we find something that can be really helpful for us to organize our life better and to be more effective at the same time. 
if we get to the spot where we're taking on the philosophy of secular humanism, which says that life is dependent primarily on me and not on God, I can subtly begin to shift from a life of faith and Christ dependence into a life of self-dependence. And so there does have to be a lot of wisdom and discernment about, uh, you know, making sure that I'm not drifting. Yeah, I was pretty heavy into uh, syncretism when I left the faith and then kind of came to Jesus for the first time where I was just kind of doing a, a new age. This was back in the late nineties, kind of doing a new age thing. where just taking parts of things that I really liked yeah. about Eastern mysticism or about Buddhism and about Christianity and kind of putting them all together. But then at that point I would have been like, well, all truth is God's truth, but yet I wasn't seeing the truth for what it was. And so I was just trying to take these things and, and put this thing together. And I think that's part of my question that I've taken that all truth is God's truth thing and, and almost manipulated it a little bit. Yeah. And at the same time, in, in the fear of, of doing that, there's a danger going the other direction, right? Which is like, we can't use science to help us interpret, interpret the Bible. Um, so then we have to literally, because, because the Bible talks about the four corners of the earth, we have to still believe that the earth is flat. <laughs> yeah. you know? uh, right. So I think that it's important for us to just be discerning, careful, wise, prayerful, submitted to the Holy Spirit. There are times where you see things that are happening in other faiths that it's like, wow, you know, or, or in, in uh, just the the humanities. Like, so historical criticism can be really helpful when it comes to Bible interpretation. And then when you look at uh, a, a lot of uh, contemplative practices in prayer are common with contemplative practices in other religions that they don't belong to one religion or, or another they're kind of like how you how your body works best in being more meditative you know and so am i meditating on the word of god or am i meditating on something else but there's a different source then yes and a different focus there's a different thing that's kind of animating yeah those practices yeah Another thing that stood out to me was just this idea of happiness, but not being the end goal. There's like, there's some real nuance in there that's super important because I mean, you know, our, our catechism of course tells us that the whole purpose of humanity is to enjoy God and to glorify God. If we hold on to that, that, a, that a part of our dual purpose as humans is to actually enjoy God, to know God, to love God then there should be this sense of delight is a really big part of what God actually calls us to. But that delight is not just pleasing ourselves. It's again, it's about that focus. What are we delighting in? So we're shaping our hearts to actually delight in the presence of God. And then the, the, the effect of that is that it's going to be changing us in a way that we're going to be glorifying God by the way we live, which will definitely mean that we're not living in a way that's just pursuing more of our own happiness, that it's pursuing care for others and reflecting the character of God. That quote that John Mark mentioned from somebody else about how the good life must involve seasons of unhappiness. Yeah. I could sit with that for a bit and think about that. Like I, I both see the biblical redemptive truth in that. And yet it's just also, I don't know. I would prefer for there to be a little bit more happiness and joy in my life, if I'm honest. <laughs> like seriously, you know, yeah. even as, and especially as pastors, I think not everybody, but I think there's a lot of pain and sorrow that pastors and leaders take on 
professionally more than other vocations, you know? Yeah. And so there's that, there's that heaviness there that the Lord is definitely in. And, you know, I think of Paul and, uh, in second Corinthians talking about like being chaotic in his mind, like, you know, perplexed, but not in despair and about how he was sorrowful, but yet always rejoicing these kind of two ends of the emotional spectrum being held in Christ so beautifully. But yet, man, if, if I don't have to suffer, I don't want to suffer. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that I think about is just understanding Jesus as a man of sorrows, but his descent into to become incarnational with us is ultimately for the purpose of our redemption and for reunification in relationship. And I'm sure in light of eternity, the three years of his ministry or the 33 years of his life are a small period of time, you know, sorrow lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning and his teachings about the kingdom invite us into that. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And so the, the entering into other people's pain is part of the call of the Christian faith. And so the good life as named by this Harvard professor is deeper than just pursuing momentary happiness. It's there's, there's purpose, there's meaning. And a lot of that we experience through things like love, through compassion, through service, through gratitude, and through generosity. And there's no shortage of studies that talk about you know the value to us personally when we're generous people or grateful people. And some of those things take hard work and they even take pain in order to enter into those places to be with others in their pain and be a companion to them as Christ is a companion to us. Yeah, I think one of the other aspects that's different between spiritual formation and self-help or self-improvement is the fact that in our discipleship with Christ or in Christ, part of that is being called into community with one another. So by definition, self-help is focused on the self. While there is also the God help, there's also this thing with spiritual formation that while there can be this silence and solitude and the and prayer and fasting and all of this other stuff that is very personal and uh, in s- some senses done in the secret place, we're always being called to also be disciples together. And so spiritual formation really happens not just when it's just me and God, which is true, or say in the self-help model, me learning something or doing some kind of habit stacking thing, but when there's stuff done in community. And so I think part of the places that I've experienced spiritual formation the most is when I'm presenting myself before the Lord, but I'm presenting myself before the Lord in community. And so then there's these other voices that are coming in, either refining or questioning or taking me down another, an, another path towards Christ that in myself, I would never be able to get. And so the formation part in Christianity is different than the self-help, I believe, in just the communal aspect of what we're called into. Yeah, it's so good because I think a big part of the self-help work and self-improvement requires a deep level of control of your circumstances. And I'm not saying that that isn't the case in spiritual disciplines. I mean, it's an enormous amount of self-control. I I think that it can often be in the self-help that you're doing that in contrast to the things that the community around you may draw you into. But when you're surrounded by a Christian community where you can find others who are also in pursuit of Christ, 
then you're looking to go in that direction together. Again, that can help. That can also happen with self-help things in the sense of if I want to go to the CrossFit gym and I'm working out with others who are also interested in self-improving the communal aspect of that becomes really helpful. I do think one of the things that you're naming there as well is that the source of power is different. Do I actually have enough within me to dial in my life enough to get to the place where I am ultimately going to be happy, you know, and I think so often in self-help work, we get to a spot where we're focusing all of our energies in a single direction with a certain kind of self-help we're trying to go after, whether that's academically, I'm trying to, you know, really get to the next level or at work, I'm trying to improve my workflow or health-wise, I'm trying to eat healthy. It can take an enormous amount of energy to focus on any one of those things, let alone a couple of them. And most of the time, what you experience is you see people focusing on a few things and stuff kind of leaks out the other side, like other areas go missing because of it. And if in spiritual formation, what we're saying is there is actually just one primary thing to focus on. And the primary thing to focus on is the pursuit of God. And that when we do that, he's our source of power that we believe makes it possible to engage the other parts of life in really healthy ways. And so it's a singular source of power that's not ourselves. And so our own energies are in faith, going all in with God, so to speak. And it doesn't mean we don't care for those around us. It doesn't mean we're not doing good work you know, in our vocation. It means that we believe God is helping us to do all those things really well. And I think that's where Comer was talking about grace and saying one thing that's different is uh, in spiritual formation is there's this whole act of grace. And spiritual formation is about positioning ourselves to embrace and receive more of the grace of God that's given to us, uh, to unwrap what God has given to us in this gift of grace. And that's, I mean, the way it, Justin, you and I often would talk about this is that a sacramental life uh, that, you know, focuses on the sacraments or the ordinances is not, hey, if you take communion, then you're in good standing with God, but that God has given us a picture of the gospel in taking communion. And if we enter into that thoughtfully and well, then we're actually receiving grace from God in the act of participating in that because he set it up for us to be able to receive more from him. And that's a lot of what spiritual formation is, is being in the place where we're not we're forming ourselves and our lives around God so that the spirit of God can transform us. So it's the intersection of our work toward formation and his work toward transformation of our lives. And we do that because he first loved us, Yeah, which is a big, huge thing as far as, oh, if I self-improve enough, then I can get some kind of divine affection from God. That's not how Mm. the God of the universe works. It's always in response. Yeah, so true. Shout out again to the Voxology podcast and John Mark Comer and Mike Erie for giving us some things to talk about today. And to all of our listeners, be sure to check out the next episode, which will talk about the unchurched and why people leave the church and don't come back. I would encourage you, the listener, to just take a moment and be like, where is God looking to form you? Where is God inviting you to invite him into your life. Where is the creator of the universe who loves you, who created you? Where is he inviting you into his presence to form you more into the image of his son, Jesus Christ? We'll catch you on the next episode of The Quiet Reformation.